Yeah. God bless you. Be seated, please, please. Put my mask away. Oh, you look wonderful today. There's a lot of excitement in the room. I'm glad to see that. It was a great time at the prayer this morning. It was awesome. Just fantastic. My goodness. Um, There's three ways the Word of God will affect you. Doctrine, reproof, or correction. You're going to get one of the three. When you dive into the Word, you hear a teaching, somebody sharing the Word with you. I like hearing doctrine. I don't like reproof or correction. (laughs) Just being honest. Um, But many times when I read the Word, I find I get reproved. There's something in my life I need to change. Um, Every time I prepare a teaching, there's something God's telling me that, hey, this applies to you too, not just for the teaching. Oh, okay. So um, I hope most of you get this as doctrine. But if it's reproof and correction, then be blessed with that because we need it. I mean, I'm not perfect. Wait, is my wife here? Hoping she was at home. Sorry. Um, so you, you find out that you need help along the way, somebody to straighten you up. So the title is, What's My Motivation? Why do I do what I do? What am I thinking? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. We know the record. That's why I'm not going through all of it. Um, God tells Samuel to anoint David king. David is one of Jesse's many sons. Saul is not doing what Saul is supposed to do. He's walked away from God, so God's going to replace him. So he goes to Jesse's house, he sacrifices, and he has Jesse bring his sons before him. And Jesse sees the first son, the oldest, looks at him and says, Wow, this has got to be the king because he's tall and strong and looks good. And in verse 7, God says, But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. This is from the Message Bible. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. The heart is your motivation. Why do you do what you do in life? And we have a lot of reasons for things that we do. A lot of motivations. The world tries to get us to do things because it makes us look good. Or I'm going to get something out of it. Or I don't have to go through all the reasons. You know them. But sometimes when we look at somebody's life, we may look at them and go, man, they look like they've got it together. They're confident and knowledgeable and all these things, but God is the one that knows their heart. There may be something else going on, a motive in their heart that God says isn't right. So don't be fooled by that. Don't be fooled by that, okay? The Bible does not say we will be judged for our heart, but for the life. Because the life we live is our heart. Okay? Look at Revelations 20, verse 12 from the Passion Translation. I saw the dead, 
the lowly and the famous alike. Does that cover everybody or what? I'm in the middle. The lowly and the famous alike, standing before the throne, books were opened. And then another book was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged by what they had done as recorded in the books. Everything we do in life is being recorded. We're going to be weighed on that. Now, there's some things I would love to change if I could go back in time, but that's done. I can't. I can only affect the future. So what is the why behind how you live your life? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that serious question, but if you do, get ready for the answer. Have you ever asked yourself, why am I thinking what I'm thinking in this situation because I just dealt with this? I just had an interaction with somebody and it didn't really go well. Why am I thinking what I'm thinking? What's my motivation? Is it revenge? Did I, want to, did I get mad at him for something? Is there something I want? Whatever. I have to ask myself that. Um, why am I doing what I'm doing? I think when I, when I wrote that, I thought of Carolyn Gill back there, and she doesn't know I'm going to mention her name. Um, for years... 12, 13 years, she's faithfully come every Sunday to sit at that computer and put those verses up on the wall. Can you believe that? Now, I know what it's like to work in a job for many years in a church, um, but I can imagine, I can just imagine that at times... Carolyn sat back and wondered, why am I doing what I'm doing? <laughs> Can't somebody else help out kind of thing? But if you know Carolyn, you know she's nothing but love. Her heart is just pure. So she keeps faithfully coming week after week. So I draw on that. I think of that example of somebody who tirelessly serves out of a pure heart. So, this teaching's all about you, darling. <laughs> you know, uh, in this life, people get born again for a lot of different reasons. Um, I, I got born again so many years ago, I don't remember what was going on in my life when I accepted Jesus as the Lord. I know it wasn't a major significant event in my life. I know that wasn't it. Um, my mother was a Christian, a God-fearing woman. I love her to death. Um, but she just shared God. She prayed a lot. She just taught me about the Father. And somewhere along the way, I got born again. But if our heart to get the new life, the born again, to have eternal life, isn't for transformation to be like Him, then the answer's wrong. The motivation's wrong. You may have been told, hey, you can have the more abundant life. Hey, God can heal you. Hey, there'll be peace in your family life. Whatever reason you were told, it's got to get back to, I'm doing it to be transformed into your likeness. That's the reason to get born again. All the other goodies of eternal life and what I'm going to get when I'm judged and all that is just extras. But that transformation will help us in this life. 
Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17 from the message. People do things in life for a lot of different reasons. I mentioned that. One of them is, ooh, look at me. Hey, aren't I cool? Um, but God corrects us. If you want to claim credit, claim it for God. That's the reason we should do what we do in any aspect of our life. All right? You want to help somebody at work? Do it for God. You want to help a brother or sister? Do it for God. You want to help a homeless person on a corner? Do it for God. Not because you look good. The Pharisees stood out on the street corner in Jesus' time, praying out loud, look at me, I'm this, I'm that. And he said, yeah, you got your reward. That's all you get for that. Nothing else. So if your motivation for coming to God is anything other than transformation, then when something goes wrong, you feel you have the right to blame God. Why did you let this happen to me? I thought you were going to protect me. I thought that you had sovereign will and I was going to be okay. What happened? Well, your premise was wrong. You shouldn't take that out on God. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 in the Passion. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. Man, that's deep. I'll take that. If you're rooted deeply in love and you're rooted deeply in God, because God is love. And that's what we endeavor to be transformed into. And that's a day-to-day process, a thought-by-thought process. It doesn't happen overnight, although it can. It's your heart. You can give everything to God and be transformed and grow immensely in a very short amount of time. That's all up to you. As believers, we need to understand why we're here. What am I doing? What is my purpose? I have to have something to give me direction. The greater the understanding of that purpose is, allows us to grow and love more. I understand why did God call me from before the foundations of the world. What's that mean? What did he create me to be? What is his vision for me in my life? If I know that, I can go towards it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Christ had to die to buy us back from the enemy. We're bought with a price. This seems to be a verse that God keeps bringing me back to teaching after teaching after teaching. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You're not your own. Sorry. So you have no right to act on your own. None. You're not yours. So you violate God every time you do. I went... Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Jesus, Son of God, our big brother, and I love thinking of him that way um, because he is a brother. 
He's the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's a, that's a personal relationship. I want, I mean, how many little kids have an older brother I want to be like when they grow up? Man, I don't want to be like my big brother because he's this, he's that, whatever. Well, I think of him that way. I, I want to be like him. I don't pray to him because the Bible doesn't tell me to. But I can see his life and go, man, I want to do what he did. That's awesome. He raised the dead. Huh, I'm 0 for 5. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Because whenever I get him up from the dead, he'll be thankful I didn't quit. You can bet on that. <laughs> so I want to do the things that he did. The brethren, that's us. Now we live our lives to be what God created us to be. Romans 5, verse 10. If when we were at our worst... And being dead in sin and trespasses is about as low as you can get. So we were at our worst. We were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of His Son. Now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of His resurrection life. Now that we've actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content. To simply say, in plodding prose, meaning just standard language, no big deal. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. It's exciting because of what we've got. And as we continue to learn what God has for us, where we're going, what our purpose is, the goal of all of our instruction has got to be love. 1 Timothy 1, 5 in the message says, The whole point of what we're urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. In the Amplified Bible, the same verse, But the goal of our instruction is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good conscience with sincere faith. Our theme this year is by faith. Are we doing that with a sincere heart, clean conscience? Hope so. The fall of Adam was from love to selfishness. Christ brought us back to love. That's available today. Romans chapter 8 Verse 11, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves in your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and He does as surely as He did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With His Spirit living in you, your body will be alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this, do, this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. 
The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. I love that. That was plain talk. Verse 14, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Let the old man die. Just bury him. Have a ceremony in the backyard. Throw in the things that hold you back. Whatever it is, write it down. Throw it in the hole. Bury it. Put a tombstone on it if you want to. Put on there, alive unto God now. If that's what you need to do to make it real for you, that's cool. But you know, you can't really talk about God's love without going to 1 Corinthians 13. The whole chapter is about it. So a couple of verses there. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. And since God is love, you can put the word God there too. But have not God. I think it has a, more of a punch when you put God there. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand, now I, I love these, the usages of the words all throughout this, all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith. Now, if you knew a minister who appeared to have that in his life, he would be the keynote speaker here and everywhere else. He'd be sought after. Because he looks like he's got all knowledge, all mysteries, prophetic powers. By the looks, it'd be cool. But, Garrett, you mentioned this morning an author who said pastors in America can be successful, but... A failure as an apprentice of Jesus Christ. A failure as an apprentice of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're not doing it with love. They're doing it outside of love. There's many people doing things outside of love that look good. And I may give all that I have. Now, what purpose would God have for me giving up everything I have? Well, sure, there would be a few people blessed by who I got to give it to, but what really does it do it if it's not out of love? I gain nothing. Nothing. If it's not out of love. So what's your motivation? Why do you do what you do? If I gave Bob or somebody all of my things, they'd be very blessed. If it wasn't done out of love, I didn't gain a thing. Not a thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 in the ESV. For no one, Paul says, can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, which one would you rather build with? Straw or precious stones that may last? You remember the story of the three little pigs? Remember those growing up? There's more to it than you think. Three little pigs, brothers, went off to make their fortune in life, and one of them built a house out of straw. The next one built it out of wood. 
And the next one built it out of brick in the story. And, of course, there was a big bad wolf in the area. And he would come over and he went to the straw house with the pig. And he said, pig, let me in. He said, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. You haven't heard that in many years, I know. (laughs) The things you remember, I don't know where it comes from. But he said, I'm not going to let you in. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And that's what he did, right? So the little pig ran to the next house with the wood. And they were in there rejoicing, we're protected now. The wolf comes, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. And he did. They ran into the brick house. It was more solid. So he huffed and he puffed and he could not blow that house down because it was solid. What's the moral in that story? In our lives, we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. If I just get born again and then I might go to church on a special holiday or something, would that be building on straw or would that be building on brick? My faith in God, because it's so limited, is going to be straw. It's going to be weak. It's not going to stand. Our heart dictates what we are building today on that foundation. I want to build brick so that it stands in the day when the devil comes at me and says, I'm going to blow your house down. I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff. I'm going to hurt you. And I'll go, bring it on. Because you're not going to get to me. My faith is going to stand. I'm not going to let you get to me. I'll wither whatever you throw at me and not bow. What's your building? Your building. Is it straw? Wood? Or precious stones? We each have to decide that. We each have to decide that. Everything we do gets recorded in the book of life. And I don't say that to scare you. That's not my intent here. Um, But to make you aware that nothing gets by God. He sees everything. He hears everything. I know I mentioned once in a teaching, you're permanently bugged. (laughs) You can't get away from him. And that's a good thing because then you're never alone. He's always there with the answer. Always, no matter what is happening. We have people that are living in the past, in the pain of yesterday because something went wrong and their faith wasn't strong and knocked everything down in their life. But God has given them an ability to rebuild, to build something new, something stronger that will stand in the face of adversity. But they're not taking it. They're still wallowing in the, the cleaning up the rubble from the last hurricane they went through. You need to put that behind you. Sweep it away. Get to rebuilding. By faith, get to rebuilding and stand strong for God. Let Him see you grow in it. So what kind of legacy do you want to build for God? That's every man's choice or every woman. And when things go wrong, and they will... This is not the world that God created for man originally. That was paradise. It's a fallen world. Things are going to happen, folks. But when they do, are you going to be like the children of Israel in the wilderness? Or are you going to be like Jesus Christ in the wilderness? 
It's your choice. You get to act what you want. There's a tremendous example in the scriptures in the Old Testament that I, I really think about a lot when adversity hits. It's in Daniel. Um, did I put chapter through? Um, it says in Daniel, this is the record of Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. He thought so much of himself that he had his image made so that everybody could bow to him as a god. And if you didn't bow, well, then the penalty was you're being thrown into the fire. Okay? Well, that's not cool. Um, I'm going to back up, and it may not be on here, um, and give you a little bit of background as to the setup to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting ready to go into the fire because I think it's important about their motivation. Um, Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyra, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He'll deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. Nobody talked back to the king. (laughs) Nobody. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, how many of us would think that God would have delivered them before they ever went into the fire? I would have. I, I, sure, that's the way I see deliverance. That's my way of looking at it. Don't make me go into the fire because I don't want to potentially die. But God had them go in. That was his plan. He delivered them. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. 
He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the fiery furnace. You know he didn't get too close because it was too hot. And spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth to the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, captains, and king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whom bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair on their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Can you imagine that? When something happens to us, right away it's like, but I thought God could protect me. I, what happened? How come I didn't get the protection I thought I was going to get? How come many times God allowed this to happen? Worst question you could ever ask yourself. God has a plan. He will take care of you. You have to build your faith on that. Here, these guys were looking at the fire, and I'm sure I know they were going to the fire wondering what's going to happen. But then they fell down in it and realized, I know it's like I'm not even here. That had to have blown their mind. <laughs> and I, I, it's me in my head. I, I can't see them walking around. I can see them dancing in the fire going, hey, we're alive. All right. Um, there are issues in our lives, financial situations, health issues, that we think we should never, ever go through because we're born again. And that's a lie. We live in a fallen world. There's an adversary who's mad at God and we get in the way. It's not personal, it's spiritual. We don't fight against flesh and blood. It's spiritual. So let the spiritual take care of it. Hey, God, you're always here. You know what's going on. You know the situation. You knew before the foundations of the world that this was going to happen. Therefore, you have a solution. I'm going to wait patiently, as Garrett keeps talking about, in the moment, now, and I'm going to wait for you to tell me what to do. And God will give me the guidance I need to take care of it. So how will you stand the fire? Look at the result of the stand of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies, rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. And there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's awesome. Their faith they built was solid. Nothing could shake them, even the face of death. And as a result, they're now promoted over the providence of Babylon. And the king has decreed everybody worship the God Almighty. Now, that's a major impact of believers in life. That's huge. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Today we are to walk in manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's our goal, to walk worthy of what God has done. So our motivation needs to be in love, to give God the glory, and no other motivation. None can exist in our life. So as we walk by faith, we're called to do it with love, and that's our motivation. Okay? God bless.